Hi, I'm Michael Sunoff, founder and CEO of HardToFindSeminars.com. For the last five years, I've interviewed the world's best business and marketing minds. Along the way, I've created a successful publishing business, all from home, from my two-car garage. When my first child was born, he was very sick, and it was then that I knew I had to have a business that I could operate from home. Now my challenge is to build the world's largest free resource for online downloadable MP3 audio business interviews. I knew I needed a site that contained strategies, solutions, and inside angles to help you live better, to save and make more money, to stay healthier, and to get more out of life. I've learned a lot in the last five years, and today I'm going to show you the skills you need to survive. I want to remind your listeners the whole point of this audio interview and delivering audio interviews online is to free up your time. You don't want to be sitting there answering the same questions over and over again. There's lots of better things you can be doing, like going down to the bay, going running, having lunch with your wife, playing with your kids. The whole point and the most valuable thing these audio interviews have done for me is to free up my time. Hi there, it's Michael Sinoff with Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. You know, putting together high-quality audios is easy and inexpensive. And in this interview, I'm going to tell you exactly how I make them, how I capitalize on them, and how the whole thing got started in the first place. Over the years, I've become an expert on audio. But it didn't start out that way. I began doing interviews as a way to attract people to my website, hardtofindseminars.com, which at the time was all about selling old, pre-owned J. Abraham and Gary Halbert seminars. Through trial and error, I soon found the right products to get the best sound, the easiest way to conduct interviews, and the best ways to capture and edit web audio. Now I've got a whole production that virtually runs itself. This interview gives you all the details about my business and how I run it in the simplest and most productive way I know how. Here are some of the key concepts you're going to learn from this audio interview. The different types of interviews I conduct, how I prepare for each and what's in it for me, how to easily interview experts on your niche, how to find them, what the number one way of getting in touch with them is, and how to get them to agree to the interview, how to break through nervousness when conducting interviews. These quick strategies will ease your fears and help you look like an instant credible expert. How searching on Amazon, Google, and the news in Reader's Digest can help you come up with the best questions for any interview. The exact equipment I use to get the best sound possible and some simple tips I've learned the hard way and much more. The most valuable currency in life is time, and using audios has allowed me to spend more time with my family and friends. It's allowed me to do what I want to do. It may look like a lot of work to run my site, but it's pretty much automated. So if you're at all interested in buying back your time using the versatility and simplicity of web audio, this is the interview for you. In it, fellow marketing expert Michael Elhart picks my brains for his online marketing students, and I don't hold anything back. Now let's get going. Welcome, everybody. My name is Michael Ellard. I'm here with Michael Sinoff of HardToFindSeminars.com. I want to thank you, Michael, for joining us today on the call. Thanks, Michael, for having me. What I like to do, and the reason I tracked down Michael Sinoff, was I heard of him a few years ago and kind of stumbled upon his website and was fortunate enough to do some work for him. And Michael has been responsible, through his hardtofindseminars.com site, for a large portion of my marketing education. You go onto this website, and there are dozens upon dozens of interviews and audio recordings of conferences and marketing seminars. It seems to be endless, and it covers the gamut. And when I stumbled upon this site, I was just taken aback. Blown away is a better word for it. And it gave me what I like to call my marketing goggles, my marketing glasses. It opened up my mind to look at things in a new way because I hadn't heard of Jay Abraham or some of these master marketers from the 70s and 80s and 90s. So Michael's been responsible for a major portion of mine and what appears to be thousands of people's education. So, first of all, thanks for joining us today, Michael, and we're going to talk to you about your interviewing skills because you've done so many interviews and you've covered so many different topics and talked to so many people from different types of businesses that you've established a very unique, cutting-edge style of interviewing. And it's such that when you listen to these calls, they're so 
prepared and so well edited that you're with it from the beginning to the end. You don't hear a lot of mistakes. You don't hear a lot of diversions. It really cuts to the chase. And it's so much so that I would aspire to model my approach similar to Michael's. So I feel very fortunate to bring Michael to my subscribers and the people in the program. And again, I want to say welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I look forward to hopefully sharing a few ideas with your students. I'm sure if it's just a portion of what we hear online, that everybody will be filled to the brim with new concepts and ideas. So can we jump right in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So basically, when I stumbled upon your site, I was amazed by this amassed collection of these interviews. And it's come a long way. I think I came across it maybe five years ago. When exactly did you get started with this? And tell me how it came about. Michael, I first published the site in January of 2002. And hardtofindseminars.com, that URL, had nothing to do with the audio interviews on my site. It's almost a fluke that doing these interviews, which are kind of like mini-seminars, kind of fit the name. But originally, I had heard about the eBay stock back then, you know, in 2001 and 2002, going to the roof. And I had learned about eBay. I had a pin manufacturing business. I was living down in Pacific Beach in a one-bedroom apartment, and I was doing cold calling, selling a pen, which was a red-eye remover pen that removes red-eye from photographs. And it was a good little business, making me money, supporting me, and I was living single lifestyle in Pacific Beach in San Diego, California, which I loved. But I wanted something more. I had learned about a marketing genius named Jay Abraham, and I remember calling Abraham Publishing and wanting some of his material. And I remember Carl Turner on the phone, the very first time I talked to him, he quoted me $275 for a set of his J. Abraham optimization videos. And I'm like, $275? I mean, this is ridiculous. There was no way I was going to pay $275 for some videos. So I had learned about eBay, and I figured, well, how can I get a hold of some of this J. Abraham stuff without me having to pay for it? And I was doing some networking online, and I met a guy who had gone to one of J. Abraham's seminars. And I had already learned that J. Abraham charged $15,000 to go through this seminar, which was a seminar that trained people on how to do marketing consulting. To make a long story short, I was able to find someone in San Diego who paid to go to the seminar, and I approached them, and I said, by any chance, do you have your old J. Abraham tapes from the seminar? And sure enough, they did, and I bought the entire set of tapes. Now, when Jay Abraham would put someone through a seminar, he had to provide value. So they came home with the audio tapes, with printed transcripts, with 12 different products from his past, information products that he had compiled into a package. And I purchased this all for $50, and I was just in heaven. At that time, I wanted to learn how to sell stuff on eBay. I mean, what a dream to be able to sell stuff on eBay, make money, sit at home, go to the beach. That is what I wanted to do. And I started a business buying and selling pre-owned J. Abraham seminars. And it started with that one, but it ended up in 200. And I had the entire list of 900 people who went to his $20,000 seminar, and I would telemarket them looking for people who had all the tapes who were willing to sell them to me very inexpensively, and I would piece them apart and start selling them up on eBay. That's where the name Hard to Find Seminars came from. Well, that certainly takes some moxie to do that. It's a good lesson for everybody listening that a lot of times when you set out to do something, there's a good possibility that you may not get the results you want, but there's a good possibility in starting the journey that you're going to find another road, another path, which you have, which, as you mentioned, this came out of nowhere. And you got some results by testing something, and boom, you launched a business based on your findings. Now, had you set out to do this, and you thought about it, and you kind of mold it over, and will it work, and what do I do? You may have never have taken any action. To tell you that I wasn't nervous, I'd be lying. I was pretty nervous. And now, years later, I'm married with two children. I've got a home now. Would I start that at my point in life today? I don't know, because I've got more to lose. Back then, single in a one-bedroom apartment down at Pacific Beach, I didn't really have anything to lose, you know? So I was able to take that risk. And I was nervous, but I prevailed. And I just went through the fear. I knew in my heart I wasn't doing anything wrong. He may not have liked it because it was a form of competition, but if you really looked at it from a marketing standpoint, it was a pretty good deal for him. For years and years, I've been promoting his stuff and introducing him to people that because of his price point, he could never get introduced 
is too. Right. And if any one of those people made money using his techniques, they may contact him directly for a high-end seminar, so he's made his money back because of me. Exactly, and there is a way of doing business online today, and that's because information is so easy to get. It's just proliferated the Internet. Now a method of reaching people is providing free information. Get them the free information so you educate them and you build the trust. And now that's a way of doing business. That's your low barrier of entry to get them into your sphere because you are competing with so many people. So what you've done for him, as you mentioned, is you've really introduced him to many people, such as myself, who ended up later buying other programs and buying things through people that he's been affiliated to. And you probably increased his awareness can't put a number on it, but I'm sure it has helped more than it has hurt him by any stretch. Would you agree with that? I would, and I don't want to lose track of the whole reason I started doing interviews, and I'm going to segue into it right now. The reason I started doing interviews on the site and putting more and more audio content is to have a reason to get someone to visit the site, to get them to know that I'm the guy who buys and sells pre-owned Jerry Abraham seminars and other seminars so I could have a chance to sell pre-owned marketing seminars. And I figured if I do information on marketing and advertising and copywriting, the same type of stuff that was taught in the Abraham seminars, I would attract those type people. So the whole reason was to bring traffic to my site in order to sell the pre-owned J. Abraham stuff. But the problem was I was running out of stuff. That list was only 900 people, and I didn't have any more access to pre-owned stuff. So I knew that I had to start developing and creating my own information products because I'm bringing the people to the site. They like what they're hearing, but I don't have an unlimited supply of pre-owned J. Abraham stuff. You know, I couldn't buy the stuff from him and resell it. There wasn't enough margins. So I had to take a different direction towards my business because of the limited supply and the lack of control over the product I had. I had to gain control on intellectual property that I created, and that's what these interviews have allowed me to do, to create my own information products in a very simple way, which we'll talk about shortly, where I am not reliant on limited supply with something I don't have control over. Well, touching on that just a little bit, still covering a little bit of your background, which I'm curious, and many people are curious to know about. We kind of got an idea of how you got started and what your model was at that time and kind of going with the flow and seeing what the market bared. And since you had discovered there was a profit margin in that, knowing what you know now, probably would have done certain things differently, but continue on with that thought process of the future. What is your business model looking like for the future? What are you thinking about right now for your business as it is today with your interviews and your consulting? What is your model for the near future? Okay, my model for the future, as it should be, I think, for your coaches and your speakers and your authors and your product developers is the currency of today, the most valuable currency of today is your time. And my model continues to be and my strategy is always aimed at this focus is to buy my time back. And the way I have been able to do this over the years is to automate my sales process by using web audio i.e. interviews. And so I can spend time with my friends, with my family, and do the things that I want to do or not have to do anything if I choose. Now, in coming up with this new model of doing things, do you think that there is a way that you could have come across this faster? Is there something that you would have done had you sat down and tried to create a map for yourself? I don't know if you've done some pre-planning or some future planning, but is there any mistakes you've made along the way that you could pass on for people that are getting started and doing interviews before we get into the interviewing techniques, but just from a business perspective and your personal business experience? Are there some things that you could have done differently to get you where you want to be? I guess looking back on it, it's a learning process like anything. And I would tell any of your students, you're going to screw up and you've got to be willing to fail. And if you're not willing to fail, you're never going to get started. So I would say I don't regret anything because you learn from your mistakes and those are your best teachers. So probably say no, but maybe taking more time and doing it right from the first time would have saved me a little bit of time and a little bit of money. But I didn't really know where it was going. It just kind of evolved. 
Well, that kind of leads to some nuts and bolts of interviewing, because I'm sure after all these years of doing interviews, I don't know if you do have a number on it. I'd be curious to know if you know how many you have. I have on the site currently about 170 hours of audio content that's free. There's probably another 60 to 90 hours of audio that has been created and developed exclusively for information products that I sell. So let's get into this, breaking down how you actually prepare for an interview, because you mentioned that you cringe when you hear the first interviews. I think a lot of us probably don't hear what you hear. I know the people that are usually perfectionists in creating certain things, I'm like that myself, you know, cringe when we put our first products out there or when we're putting things together. And as you mentioned, get it out there because the next one will always be better than the first one. And you've got to have that experience. But I particularly like the style that you put in. You start an interview with telling the listener what they're going to hear, what the gems of that interview are in advance so that they can listen for them. And then you take a piece of the interview as an intro with a nice little clip of music to kind of bring up the level of anticipation and excitement. So you're kind of preparing them for an interview. But on top of that, you have a production quality that is professional in the sense that you've taken out all the errors in communication. You've taken out the ums and the ahs, the coughing, and the background noise. And so it really has a nice pace, and it actually would be much shorter than it would be if you'd left all that information in. And you still see a lot of interviews out there. I even listen to podcasts. I'm a big audio buff. I listen to these things all the time, and I'm amazed at the production quality. But before we talk about production quality, let's talk about briefly how you prepare for an interview now if you actually do the preparation, and what is your philosophy now in putting an interview together? Well, there's different types of interviews, and there's different reasons why I would want to do an interview with someone. But there are different kinds of interviews. So some of the interviews that I do will be designed maybe with a big name, a big well-known name marketing expert, which is called marquee value. So, Michael, you can say to your list or in your promotions, you know, I'll be interviewing Michael Sinoff with hardtofindseminars.com, and there may be a lot of people who want to hear that interview. And the value for you is you've got a bigger name marketing expert that you have interviewed. So it's like a feather in your cap. That gives you more credibility. So you'll do that interview with me, but there'll be nothing really in it for you except providing good content. Now, I'll do that. Like, for instance, I had the opportunity to interview Tom. Tom Hopkins, he's one of the best-known names in sales training. And I didn't ask for anything from him. We did the interview. I tried to pull out as much value as I could. I wasn't going to make anything off of any of his seminars that he was promoting. He had been promoting his yearly Phoenix sales training, which I had no problem plugging and mentioning to the listeners. But the reason I wanted to do that interview with him is I wanted that name. Now I can say, hard to find seminars, interviews Tom Hopkins. So there's a lot of students out there who love Tom Hopkins. He sold millions of books. His keyword is all over the Internet, and that will bring traffic to my site. There are other interviews that I'll do with experts when I'm creating different products. So they may not be a big name. People may not have any idea who they are, but I'm doing that interview with this expert because I'm going to be including that interview in with a series of other interviews on related topics for my product creation. So I don't care about the big name, but I care about having content for a product that I'll be selling. And there's other interviews where I'll do interviews with people who offer products and services to sell. So I'll establish these interviews more in a financial strategy where I'm doing the interview with them. At the end of the interview, we will introduce them to their product or service that they're selling, and I will have pre-negotiated a deal with them if I refer anyone over to their product or their website that I will earn a commission. And this can be done through an affiliate program, or if they have an alternative service, it could be a high-end service that sells for thousands of dollars or an ebook that sells for $90. I have a system in which you can control the flow of the lead. So when someone listens to an interview on my website, if they like that expert, they like what they hear, we've built trust and rapport with the listener, and they want more information on this subject, there'll be a phone number that they can call to get more information with my expert. And that's a phone number that I control and that I know that I've generated that lead and I can track it. So these are three different reasons why one would want to do an interview. Marquee value joint venture relationships with a financial benefit at the end, and product creation. There's others, but these are my main three. So is there a recommendation that you could make in terms of if I'm a financial planner, if I'm a life coach or a business coach, 
Would you recommend then making a list, perhaps, of the influential people in my niche, in my segment, and then going after those people, collecting the interviews based on particular topics that would benefit the people that are in my practice? You know, you're doing two things. You're providing information and you're also positioning yourself, giving yourself increased credibility by associating yourself with those people. And so do you have any recommendations as to where to get started in an interviewing campaign if you were to start? Every one of your students is going to be in a different situation. So you may have coaches who you're working with. You may have speakers. You may have authors. Let's take, for example, that you have authors that maybe they've authored a book for parents who have kids in grade school on how to get better grades. For an example, you may have coaches that coach the same thing, or you may have coaches that coach on how to have a better relationship, or you may have speakers that speak on how to plan for your retirement. So those three examples, everyone is promoting and selling something within a particular niche. So they need to ask themselves, how can I bring value to my potential prospects? What valued service can I give to them? What information can I get for them that would make them be appreciative of me? So, for instance, maybe the author who writes the books on how to get better grades for grade school students, other than just having her book, she's got her book, and this is her book, and this is what she's selling on Amazon. What could she do? She could find some of the best educators around the country who have years and years of experience working with grade school children and parents and showing them how to get better grades. How can she find those experts? She can go to Google. She can go to Amazon and find authors who have written other books in her niche. And she could simply invite them and say, you know, I have a book that teaches parents how to get their students better grades, and I've got a website, and I wanted to invite you to do an interview for my website. Website And certainly we could promote your book and let the parents of my students know about you. And you just invite them to an interview. So they say yes because people love talking about themselves and they want to share their expertise. And this has probably been a part of their life for a long time. And you just start doing interviews on subjects that you're already teaching about. And you offer it to your prospects. You offer it on your website. You are offering value on the subject that you're positioned as an expert. For the coaches who are doing coaching sessions with their students on how to have better relationships. They can do the same thing. Doing an audio interview is simple. It's not like you're sitting there writing a book. Writing is painful, but coming up with a list of questions and asking an expert about their expertise and how they've helped other couples improve their relationships, it's easy. All you do is get on the phone, and we'll talk about the mechanics of that shortly on exactly how to do that. But it's so easy. People love talking about themselves. Most people... People are never asked in detail about their profession. It's a pleasure for an expert to share his knowledge and his expertise that he's been doing all these years. I say in other recordings, their wife or husband never even asks them about what they're doing. They're more than happy to share freely what they know because it's their passion. So all you've got to do is ask. And let's go back to this example. Michael, how is it that we're doing this interview right now? I think we just exchanged emails, just checking in to see how we were doing. And then I thought, wow, let's get an interview together. And you simply asked me. And I said, yes, I'd be glad to. And it's not any more complicated than that. Any one of your students, all he has to do is ask. Is he going to get a no? Is she going to get a no? Absolutely, she's going to get a no. But keep asking and you'll get yeses. I mean, maybe for every 15 or 20 people I ask for an interview, would you believe it that probably 14 of them say no? Because not everyone's going to say yes. But you're not interested in the no's. You're only interested in the yeses. And it doesn't take much to ask. It can be a simple email or a letter. So you're only interested in the yeses, but there are many, many experts doing the same thing you're doing that have more knowledge that you have, not that it's any better, but you can add value for your customers and your prospects by giving them more of what they want. And audio interviews are a very simple, easy, low-cost way of doing that, and that's only part of it, just by adding value. Well, there's another thing there that I've noticed in the last couple of years. That is a great icebreaker as well. 
to a certain circle that you're trying to get in. If you'd like to interview somebody that perhaps you want to be exposed to more people that are in that market or readers of that publication, you could do an interview with that person, and if the interview does well for the person you're interviewing on your site in your promotions, that's going to grease the skids or pave the way for another potential joint venture at that point. Be a stepping stone. It is absolutely a stepping stone. It's just good marketing. When you look at my site and you see all the names of the people I've interviewed, the average person will look at all those names and think, oh, Michael Sinoff, man, he's buddies with Tom Hopkins and this guy and that guy. But you've got to think, you're looking at years of interviews all in one place. But I only interviewed that guy for an hour or an hour and a half. You know, many times I never talked to him again. Do I have the opportunity to go back to him and ask for another interview? Absolutely. Doing that interview gives me a license to contact them. I do have some rapport. I interviewed them. We have something in common. They shared stuff with my listeners. So it does give me a license and a reason to contact them. But doing that first interview offers a lot of benefits for potential business from that person in the future. Well, let's get into a little bit of mechanics before we get into production and actually how it's produced. But there are going to be some people, just like you were in the beginning, a little maybe apprehensive or not sure of yourself. Maybe they don't have as much of a take-charge attitude and kind of a fearless attitude. But what would you say to somebody that was nervous about doing the interview? How do you kind of break through some of these blocks of actually getting on the phone getting in front of that person, and maybe you can also share with our listeners how you put together a list of questions. Do you have any resources there? So there's two questions. Mm-hmm. How do we break through that fear of you know, the nervousness, and how do we prepare questions for an interview? Well, the nervousness is only natural. And I have to tell you, the very first teleseminar I did, but I did one with a guy named Vanish Patel. He says, Mike, let's do a teleseminar for my customers. And I was like, Vanish, I just don't want to do it. And the reason I was nervous, it was live. Now, all my stuff isn't live. So if you look at my website, none of my interviews are live interviews. There may be one or two when I've been interviewed, but I have complete control over the interview process. So people's number one fear is public speaking in front of people. But we're not speaking in front of a group of people. It's just one-on-one, two people having a conversation. Now, yes, you're going to be nervous on your first couple interviews, and there is no way around it. But understand that it's just you talking about what someone loves. nothing to be really nervous about and you're just going to have to work through that fear there's just no way around it but there are ways that you can eliminate that fear and you're going to ask yourself what am I nervous about so if you really break it down you may be nervous about well I don't know what to ask that person well I'm going to show you how to solve that problem right now Let's go back to the example of the coaches who coach couples and how to have a better relationship. Let's say you find an expert who has been coaching couples on improving their relationship for 20 years and you don't know what to ask them. Well, do you think you're the first person who's looked for information on this? Go to Amazon.com, type in couples therapy or better relationships, and look for the books on Amazon.com that have to do with the subject. Now, each one of those books had to be thought out compiled. There had to be a table of contents. There had to be an index put together. With Amazon.com, they allow you to look inside the books. So you can look at how that entire book is laid out. You can look at their table of contents. And you can gain your ideas and create your questions just through the table of contents. Because if you're looking at a book on improving relationships, you've got the author who's taken time to put that book together and you have an outline for your entire interview right there. So if you see the first chapter of the book has to do with improving communications and it's broken down into five different sections on when to talk, how to talk, where to talk, how to talk openly. You can create questions from that outline. You can say, Mr. Expert, can we talk about some ideas on how couples can improve their communication? And then because they're the expert, they're going to have lots of thoughts on it. They're going to talk about different stories, maybe examples of couples that they have counseled that would relate specifically on how they improve their communications. Then you see in the Amazon book that the next section is where is it best to talk in open communication. So you can say, Mr. Expert, can you tell me where is it best to have intimate talks with your partner? 
And then you just create the entire outline. You borrow it because someone has already done it before. Now, you can look at five to ten books on improving relationships, write down all the outlines, and pick and choose the topics that you are most interested in as well. And once you have your master list, let's say you wanted to interview ten different other experts, you could just use the same list of questions and ask them all the same questions. So what's there to be nervous about? You've invited them to do the interview. They said yes. You set a time. You have every question in front of you. You're just asking the questions. You're not on the spot. They're the person on the spot. So there's really little to be nervous about. That's a huge resource. And I imagine that on top of that, if you are looking at a number of books and you're compiling the table of contents from each book, you can also look at which books are selling really well so you know that those are very hot topics at the time or those books, the way they were put together, were put together very well and the public responded well to them. So you can also see not only which questions to ask, but what are those hot questions just based on the sales of the book. That is a great resource. Imagine having to go down to the library and finding all those books and combing through the table of contents on photocopy and where you can just go click online and basically see the inside cover in seconds. That's great. It's all right there. And you do bring up something very important. You need to have a little bit of strategy before you put these interviews together because remember, who are we servicing? It always comes back to your customer. We're doing this for your customer. We're doing it to make their life better, more enriched. We want to bring them more valuable information. You're saving them time because they probably have all these questions in their mind, but you're doing it for them. That's the real value, and you're giving it to them in a format, an audio interview, which people are accustomed to learning from. I mean, look at Oprah. Look at some of the most well-known celebrities of our day. They are people who interview people, Barbara Walters, Oprah, Phil Donahue, Geraldo, all the big news anchors, Tom Brokaw. Peter Jennings, Larry King. So you want to find out what is it your customers want to know. If you're providing the real information that they want to know about, you're even providing them more value, and they're going to respect you and like you even more. And when it's time for you to offer your coaching services or your speaking services or another book, you have already got credibility because you've demonstrated it through this very valuable service by providing them great content ahead of time. Now, Amazon.com is just one way to find out interview questions that you want to pull out of your interview subjects. But certainly, search on Google. Go to Google News. Find what the newspapers are writing about. Go to ReadersDigest.com. See what's on the cover pages. Look for articles and magazines. You know, it's all been talked about before. You know, anyone who writes a feature article on better relationships in Reader's Digest, you better believe they spent months and months researching this. Leverage off of that time and those resources and use the ideas that they talk about in their article and use these for questions that you're asking your experts. So you don't have to do all the hard work. It's all been done before, and you just ask the questions to your expert. Let them do the hard work. Is there a particular interview in your vast collection now over the years that you kind of turn back to as or look on as that was my best interview or that was a turning point or that was a real gem? Is there something there that comes to mind? You know, I like the ones of the stuff that I'm interested in. And that also goes back to your students. Do they love coaching? Do they love doing counseling on relationships? Do they love helping parents increase their grade school children's grades? You know, you've got to go back to what are you doing? Do you love what you're doing or is it boring? Do you hate it? If you hate it and it's boring, I would say do interviews on something you're really passionate about because I would still am passionate about marketing and advertising. So when I'm asking these questions in the interviews, I'm really doing them for myself. I want to know for myself. But there's other people who are passionate as well, and they probably have the same questions I have. I'm just providing them a service because I'm asking them and recording them and letting them listen in as a Boyer. There is one interview, and it was an interview on negotiation with a guy named Jim Camp. And if you go to my site, hardtofindseminars.com, 
all the links on the front in the middle row, there's a link that's called Negotiating for Beginners. And it was a very in-depth interview, and, and it's probably one of the most listened to interviews on my website. And I remember listening to that interview after I did it. I listened to it four or five times. When I'm doing the interviews, I'm really paying attention to the mechanics of the interview. I'm trying to think hard about how I can provide value to your listeners, but I like to re-listen to the interviews just for my own benefit as anyone who comes to my site does, that the negotiating one's good. That being said, do you have interviews lined up in advance, like a list of people that you're trying to contact, or do you run it in a short term, or do you kind of have a long-term vision on who you'd like to interview over the course of the year? I do it in a short term. It doesn't take long. If I wanted to spend the next two or three hours lining up interviews on any particular subject, I could do it very easily by using the search engines of Google. Let's say I wanted to interview another negotiating expert. I'd go to Google. I'd type in negotiating expert. I'd find other experts on negotiating on Google. I'd look on Amazon. I'd look on Barnes & Noble. And then I would find their website addresses, their emails, and I would email them a letter. And I would explain who I am, what I do. I have a letter that I send out, an email letter that invites them to an interview. It gives them a reason why. And it wouldn't take long to line up another one on negotiation. Email is your number one method of getting in touch, or do you sometimes stick with the phone as well? Email is my number one. The phone may be more effective. Email is easier. I've been using email in the past. And it's working for you? It works for me, yes. Email to get the agreement, then after they say yes, you'll make contact by phone, maybe once, even before the interview, where you can introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what we're going to do. Then you set a time, and then you can do the interview. Okay. All right, just a couple of things on production, because we talk about production in our workshop a lot and the quality of production, and we strongly feel that the quality of the production in the website creation, in the design, in the copy, in the audio is a difference maker. Because there's so much run-of-the-mill copy, design, production value out there, your edge could be the content, but it could also be the presentation. And major corporations spend millions of dollars on positioning and presentation because they know if you see the two together and many things being equal, you're going to pick the one that establishes trust and looks professional, and the higher the perceived value, the greater trust you're going to have. That's something we talk a lot about in the workshop, and what I wanted to bring up, as I mentioned in the beginning, is that your audio, albeit is over the telephone, so the quality is a little bit lower. People know what they're getting when they hear it, but the quality of the editing is really nice. It's really nicely done. And so I want to ask you first, Michael, why do you take so much time to actually edit the audio? And maybe you could explain for our listeners how much time you actually do take to edit one piece. Let me go back to what I said earlier. Today's currency is time. And you've got to look back to that listener, that person on the other end of your website, downloading your interview, you've got to do him a favor and save him time. You've got to give him the valuable information that you've promised in a no-frills way without wasting his time. And you've got to give him quality. You don't want to give him an unedited interview where he's hearing beeps coming in from the other phone line. He doesn't want to hear chitter-chatter talk or jokes and laughing and giggling and all the stuff that could be edited out. It all goes back to that customer. Give him something that you would like to listen to. And you want to make that listening experience as easy as possible for him. And if you're doing one of those interviews, especially one that I talked about where you have a financial interest, where you're selling something at the end, you have got to keep that listener listening to the interview to the very end. And by editing and cleaning up your interviews and giving him the information that he wants in a very no-frills, high-quality way, without any sloppiness, you have a better chance of building that trust and rapport with your prospect so you can sell him something later. I think that's what it comes down to. If you turn him off early in the interview, he's going to just stop the play button. And the next time your email comes to him or next time an invitation comes to him for another interview with another expert, he's going to remember that first one was terrible, and he's not going to want to take his valuable time to listen to this nonsense. You only have one chance to make a first impression, and we all know how important first impressions are. And if you make that first good impression, you've got to keep delivering on that because that's what they're going to expect. I totally agree with that. And I also noticed that in certain interviews, if the tone is not set in the first few seconds, 
you can kind of anticipate the response that you're going to get. What I mean by that is if you start to hear some flaws in the first five seconds, you're going to imagine that the entire interview is going to be like that. And so you could be turned off instantly. If the front of the interview is done very nicely and polished and well done and you continue it all the way through, obviously you've engaged the listener. But you have to set that expectation in the front part. So I want to talk to you a little bit about some production. And I know it's not rocket science, but if you take it seriously, it can be an art form editing these audio pieces. What kind of tool are you using these days? First, any of your listeners who want to do a digital audio recording, I'm just going to tell you how I've done it and what you're hearing from my website. But I use a Sony IC recorder, and the model number is IC. D-ST-10 stereo. It's a little tiny digital recorder by Sony. You're going to need this to capture your digital audio. Now, to record the call through the phone, you're going to need to go to Radio Shack, and you walk into any Radio Shack or go to RadioShack.com and type in recording phone calls, and there's this little black box that has a switch on it, and there's a plug that plugs into your microphone port on your little Sony digital recording, and then there's a plug that plugs into the back of your phone. Now, this device allows you to capture the audio from the person you're interviewing. And so when you're ready to do your interview, you say, ready, you press the little record button on your Sony, and you do the interview. When you're finished, you depress the record, you stop, and with your Sony digital recorder, they give you some software that you put into your computer, and then you plug this plug that comes with your recorder into, there's a little kind of USB port into your Sony recorder, and then there's a little USB port plug that plugs into your computer, and this allows you to extract the audio interview content that's on your Sony recorder onto your computer hard drive. So you can extract it in what's called a WAV file. Then, once you have your WAV file on your computer, I use some audio editing software, and there's lots of different kinds out there. I still use the software that I learned on, which I'm most comfortable on, and I can do my editing the fastest on. I just can't get used to the newer version, so I use what's called Gold Wave. If you go to goldwave.com, there's an old version that I use. I don't think it's compatible with Windows Vista. I still have Windows X and it's a 4.7 version and the software costs about $50 and it allows you to edit your audio. And editing audio is not that hard. It's almost like editing a Word document. You're basically deleting stuff. You're deleting the ums, the ahs, the coughs, the beeps, the kids talking in the background. You're cleaning it up just as if you wrote a rough draft for a letter. When you do your editing, what are you mostly doing? You're taking out words you don't need, paragraphs that aren't necessary. You may move a paragraph from one part of your website letter up to the top. Well, you can do the same thing with audio. Just look at every word on your audio recording the same as every word on your website or on a Word document. Editing is editing. You're just editing it in a different realm. You're editing it through an audio file rather than words on a page. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I can see that you've explained this before because I could visualize each step as you were going through it. You know, there's probably a fear factor for people that haven't opened that program up or a program like it and gone in there and actually cut apart audio. But I've done it myself, and I do it a lot, and it's very, very easy to do. And the more you get in there and play with it, just like you mentioned in Microsoft using a Word document, the better you get at tightening up the pieces and the errors and the mistakes. You also have a staff that helps you do some of the audio edits. I have a wonderful assistant named Diane, who is my main audio editor. And I use the analogy, like when you go to the dentist and you get your teeth cleaned, she's like the hygienist who cleans the teeth. She knows to take out the ums, the ahs, the little clicks, the pops, the hisses. She may spend five hours of cleaning up an hour's audio recording, I mean meticulously for one hour of audio content. But once that's all cleaned up, just like when you get your teeth cleaned, then the dentist comes in and he takes a look. And that's what I do. She sends me her cleaned up version of the audio interview. Then I take a look and I do all the major surgery, just like a dentist would if there's a cavity or if there's something that needs to be moved. Then I preview her work and then I do any major 
major editing or additions or movements. You hear on the beginning of my recordings a little promotional clip, just like you see a trailer for a feature film. As I go through that audio and review her work, I'll listen for a section of the interview that just makes my ears perk up for a headline or a trailer, and I'll move that to the front. I'll put the music in. I may choose a promotional ending at the end. And, of course, I'll do the recording of the introduction and paste that on there as well. So it is very time-consuming the way I do my audio editing. You don't have to do it. It's the way I do it, and it's what makes my interviews stand out and get listened to more than many others because they're easier to listen to because I've taken the time to clean them up and make them easier to listen to. Now, when you're putting music in there, do you have any resources for people that are looking to buy royalty-free music that they can buy and use at their will? That's a good question. I don't, because the only music I use is that same little royalty-free blurb that you hear in my interviews. Anyone could just do a search on Google for royalty-free music, and you can find it. Go on eBay, type in royalty-free music. You'll find plenty of stuff you can get very inexpensively. You know, one other thing that I'm not sure we talked about here, but did you mention the type of microphone that you're using? I don't use a microphone, Michael, and this is really important. Actually, it's become much more important over the years. Number one, you want to use a corded phone. Now, it is getting harder and harder to find corded phones because everything's cordless. Everything's going cellular. And when you set up your interview, make sure you tell the person you're interviewing to be on a corded phone. Do not do these interviews on a cell phone unless you absolutely have to. And then when you start the interview and you press your little record button on your recorder, do a little sound test. Maybe record 10 seconds and then just say, hold on and listen to see how it sounds on your recorder because the phone lines can be tricky. So you always want to listen for a good quality volume on the other end. So if you and I were talking, Michael, and I could barely hear you, I'd say, well, we've got a problem here, and it's going to make it difficult in the editing. If I have to increase the volume on your voice all through the interview, we could get a little extra hissing. And this is stuff you'll learn as you go along. It's not a big deal, but maybe a remedy of that is I'll say, Michael, will you call me back? and let's see if we can get a better line. If that's not better, I'll hang up and I'll say, Michael, let me call you back and let's see if that's better. I may say, Michael, do you have another corded phone in the house or in the office? You may have one upstairs and we'll try that. I was having some static problems with my phone. I've been using this Radio Shack corded phone that I've had for eight years, and then I had some static on the line, and I couldn't figure out the problem. And I was looking for some corded phones. I went to Walmart. I went to Radio Shack. I even bought a couple of the corded phones, but I couldn't get the same quality audio through these corded phones. And then I went to some garage sales and picked up some old corded phones, and it seemed like the older ones really worked the best. So it's going to be really important if you're going to get into this interviewing to get a corded phone that gives you the ability to do a nice, crisp, good-sounding interview. You can go on eBay and find an old one, but test that out for sure. So that is definitely important. Do the interview on a corded phone. Another little tip before you do your interview here in San Diego, before we started doing this interview, Michael, I press star 70. I have call waiting. That keeps any incoming calls going directly to my voicemail so we don't hear the beeps, which just saves time in the editing process that I don't have to edit out beeps that are in the middle of our words. On your digital recorder, make sure you've got a fresh set of batteries. I use two AAA batteries in mine, and you want to make sure your recorder's charged up because you don't want to be interviewing someone really important, and your recorder goes beep, and then you're out of battery juice. You go, oh, hold on, let me go get some batteries. So be prepared that your recording device is ready to go and it has batteries in it. You want to unplug any phones or other lines in your office or in your home so you're not hearing phones ringing in the background. You want to take the dog out of the house. You want to kind of limit any kind of distractions or background noise when you're preparing for these interviews. Make sure the kids aren't going to be around if you have kids. 
those are great tips. Yeah, these are just some tips that will help make things go smoother. Just another thing to add on to that. I'm right with you there. I'm calling from Milan, calling San Diego. I'm over here in Italy. I've got a hard wire into the phone line as well. I'm using a cordage phone. And I've got a little tiny fan in the background that removes white noise. And in the room I'm in, I've got something covering the bottom of the door with a very long pillow. Mm -hmm. Because I have children in the house, and at a certain time, two children tend to get noisy. So I find that a little fan blowing a low setting creates this white noise that covers up any outside interference. And it's a good checklist that you've just provided everyone because there is some production time and some preparation time outside of the content that goes into doing the interview and having it done well because what you don't want to do and what I get nervous about is I use a phone service so I have to buy these cards that give me good rates to the states otherwise I'd be paying $200 for a direct line. So I buy these phone cards, and for those that are in Europe, sometimes you can use Skype, sometimes you can use these phone services, but I use these cards, and I have them lined up, and if something should happen, you know, I just move on to the next card. So don't take this part lightly. I can attest to that, Michael, because you really don't want to have your interviewee having the line drop or having to call back because of something that you missed in the preparation phase. Absolutely, and also it's real important, you know, we're doing something usually I don't do, but, you know, if you only have one chance to do this interview, and it's a big interview, and it's going to provide a lot of value to your listeners, that's valuable. You may want to take an extra precaution. So, for instance, we're using a teleconferencing service that, Michael, you set up that has the ability to record audio, but at the same time, I'm backing it up with my digital audio recording here on this end. So it'd probably be a good practice for any of your students to do that all the time because you never know when your recorder will, and I've had this happen to me, I'll do an interview, and you play back the recording, you have all this white white noise in the background, and I've had to totally redo an entire interview. A real important one is a very frustrating, or you won't have to ditch the whole thing. You can explain when you put it up that we had a terrible problem. This is only if you don't have the ability to redo the interview with the prospect. You could get it transcribed and offer the transcripts of the interview, but it's very frustrating, so it's always good to have a backup, and I think by using a service and you could share with your listeners the service you use that records a teleconference and having a backup digital recorder, you've got an extra copy just in case. And this has saved my butt a couple times. Yeah, that's brilliant advice. And that is something that, you know, you really don't want to have to lose that time because losing that time with that expert is money lost, time lost, and it's embarrassing as well. I'm using a service right now called Xiosoft, X-I-O-S-O-F-T.com. And that's a conference line that you subscribe to, and they do recording. There's freeconferencing.com, and there's a bunch of others if you go on Google and check those out. These are a good way of doing it, but I totally stand by what you're talking about and doubling up on the recording capabilities. So, Michael, you've been really generous with your time here, and I just want to get into a couple of final questions here because you've shared some gems. And I think when people are going through their interviewing process, and we've talked about how to prepare for an interview, how to find the right content, how to mentally kind of gear up for it, some of the production techniques that you use, really actually step-by-step step of how to do it, and your background, of course, the mindset that you need to be in. Let me jump back to you personally so that we can kind of give our listeners a chance to hear more of you and get to know the great wealth of information that's available on your site. I wanted to ask you a question about one more technology before we get into your audio. What's your perspective on video in YouTube and things like that? I think video is great. You know, if you were to compare the selling effectiveness between video and audio only, video would win hands down because you're able to engage more senses of the prospect, the eyes and the ears at the same time. But audio has some value that video doesn't offer. And in my interview with Vic Conant, he's the owner of Nightingale Conant. They're the largest information products publisher in the world. And I think most of your listeners should have heard of Nightingale Conant. They produce all the audio educational seminars with Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I asked him this question, and the thing is, audio is something that a listener can take with them, and they can be multitasking, they can be exercising, they can be listening in on the background while doing other stuff. 
audio can be listened to and put on a CD in a car while they're driving. So you're turning unproductive time into learning time. Now, you could still do that with video, but the eyes have to be engaged on a screen. And many times, there's a lot of video out there that provides content that really doesn't need to be video. You know, I look at audio as doing my prospects and the visitors to my site a favor. I could have it all video and have the face of the person I'm interviewing sitting up on a screen talking, but why do you need to look at the guy's face talking and have your eyes engaged when when you could be down at the bay exercising and listening to the same content. There's definitely benefits to audio that outweigh video, but, you know, video is great, too. I mean, there's no secret that video is the number one most powerful medium of selling. I mean, look at television. So in looking at your overall marketing campaign, it would probably be something to think about in having, because audio is so much easier to access in different locations at, at various points of your day, video would be a nice complement to that. So you had a presentation that you wanted to put together that included visuals, because visuals do help a lot. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about a conversation and you really want to get the meat of the conversation, you know, audio will do the job. I mean, audio books are very popular, and it's a medium that people are very familiar with. So I can totally see what you're saying. Now, you can provide both. And I'll tell you, I have done both. I haven't done video per se, but I have done interviews with experts where we have offered a PowerPoint presentation It's an articulate presentation where we've integrated audio and PowerPoint slides. So we're engaging the eyes. That's for people who want to look at the video and listen at the same time. But I will also give the visitor to that segment, that audio recording, the ability to download just the audio portion as well so they can take it with them. I give them the opportunity, if they're a reader, to download the PDF transcripts. Each one of my audio recordings on my site has been transcribed into PDF documents, word for word, where they can print out the PDF and take it with them. Some people can read faster than they can listen to audio. Another technique is something I learned in doing the audio editing is that GoldWave software that I told you about, you can download a free trial of it, but it has a little play button that allows you to speed up the audio. So when I was doing all the editing myself before Diane, my editor, was doing it, I needed ways to get through the editing process faster. And when I'm reviewing an hour's worth of audio, I could listen to that audio at warp speed. I could speed it up twice as fast as a normal conversation and still digest the information. It takes a little practice, but anyone who likes listening and wants to listen online and get through some of the content, they can download that GoldWave player and download the MP3 files to their hard drive, open them up in the GoldWave audio editing program and play them through that editor at twice the speed so they can listen through an audio in about half the time of normal conversation and still digest the main points of it. That's another great tip. So my point was, I am now experimenting by offering the PowerPoint presentation where someone can view the content through a PowerPoint presentation with integrated audio. They can download the transcripts and take those with them, or they can download the MP3 as well. Now, any of your students who are going to get into audio interviews, you want to offer your prospects different choices of digesting this information because everyone is different, and you're doing them a favor. You're appealing to the reader who like to print and read transcripts. You're appealing to the audio-only people who like to listen only, and you're appealing, if you want to take the time and the extra production value in creating video PowerPoint presentations, you're appealing to those visual people too. And when you can integrate, like I said, video compared to audio alone will win hands down. Now, these video PowerPoint presentations, I've invested the extra time and the resources and the money in doing these because these were particular interviews that offered me some financial interest where I was directing the listener or the viewer to the resource that I was going to make money off of. So it was worth the investment. You can calculate a measurable return on the investment by adding that extra value. Yeah. The third product, which is a little bit more, and then it might lead to your premier product, as we say. That's another great tip. Another interesting point that we touched on in the beginning is that you started down a certain path and then by taking some chances it led you into how many people know you now and how I discovered you. And then by continuing on that path, educating yourself, interviewing countless experts, you've been exposed to another group of experts or another type of practice, should I say, which has kind of changed the course of your career as well. Is that right? Yeah, I would agree. It's never ending. 
I just keep interviewing experts of things that I'm interested in. But like I said, there's different reasons for different interviews. There's product, there's content creation, there's marquee value, and then there's joint venture. And there's just straight content that add volume, add value to whatever you're doing. So there's different reasons. You would ask yourself, what's the reason why I'm doing this interview? Let me expose the viewers and the subscribers to some of the information that you have right now because I think it's just an amazing collection. And there's also something that if you want to get more information than you've gotten tonight on actually how to put together an audio product, you've got something now that I'd like to share with them. And this is not an endorsed call or anything. This is just delivering pure content, pure value for the listeners. So why don't you share with us, Michael, if you would, your audio creation service. Well, first I want to say I've had in the past over 17 different products of my own that I market and sell. And when you're doing these interviews, one of the most important things for you to understand is you don't have to be the expert. All of these other products that I was marketing and selling, I didn't position myself as the expert. I was just the guy doing the interviews. And through these interviews and collecting these interviews and packaging these interviews, I created different information products that I would sell. But this is the one product that I do have where I've positioned myself as the expert, and it's basically on everything that we've been talking about. It's how I use audio. It's called How to Turn a $28 Book or an Idea in Your Head into a $3,900 Information Product. And it's an entire course that I've outlined all the different steps. We've touched on some of the things that we've talked about today where I teach you exactly how to create an information product. If you're a coach, if you're an author, if you have your own product or idea, this will show you step-by-step how to take that idea and increase the value of what you're doing and what you have and give you the ability to sell it for three times more, five times more, ten times more, in some cases maybe 50 times more by using audio interviews. And there's different sections in this product. One is called How to Turn a $28 Book into a $3,900 Information Product. You've got seven fatal mistakes that will kill the creation of your audio program, Stone Dead. It's a full report and audio download. You've got Frontline Secrets from the Trenches, Breakthrough Audio Creation Report, 17 Roadblocks that Can Stop You from Making Your Information Product and How to Get Around Them Fast, the Fast Track Audio Creation Guide. It's 17 Insider Secrets to Planning Your Audio in the fastest time possible. And then you also get a one-half-hour one-on-one audio information product consultation with me personally by the phone, where if you have any specific questions on your idea or your product, after you get the product and you go through the system, we'll arrange a time to talk, and you'll allow me to record the call. Because what I've also offered in this product is 15 hours of my best consultations. I used to do a one-hour consultation, but I don't have the time to do a whole hour. But you have 15 hours of students who have ordered this product, who have dreams and ideas in their head, and product creation ideas where I've done consultations with them, and I've recorded these calls, and you have the best of the best, 15 hours. That's all included in this product as well. And the best part is you can try the product entirely free for 30 days. And I wish we had more time because I'm just looking at my notes. There's so much stuff that we haven't talked about. And some of the most important things is why I use audio interviews as a cost-effective tool to increase my sales and automate my sales process. And I know that your students are interested in automating so they can buy back that time, leverage their time using audio. And there's so much magic that comes along with these interviews that it's just amazing. And there's a whole bunch of topics that I talk about to the students in my consultations when it comes to positioning and how to bond with your prospects and why delivery and distribution of your audio is so powerful even today with all the PDFs and the cell phones and the mobile devices that are able to wirelessly download and play audio, even subjects about the real estate value of each one of your audio recordings. If you dissect any one of my audio recordings, you'll hear a lot of different things in there. I look at that audio recording as a piece of real estate. In the beginning, you know, you have that little teaser, the trailer that is the headline that captures the attention. Ten minutes into the audio, you'll hear... You're listening to an audio interview on Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Then you'll hear it 40 minutes in on the interview. 
at the end of the interview, you'll hear, here's another tip from Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com, which offers and directs the listener to another resource on my site or another tip that could save them time. Or they'll hear the audio recording version of a sales letter on my website. So, for instance, my HMA marketing system, I have a sales letter, which you're training and working with your students on how to create a great sales letter and a great website. Every one of your listeners should get a professional to read that sales letter into an audio format and record that as an MP3. And at the top of that sales letter, it should say, if you don't have time to read this sales letter now, you can download the audio version of this sales letter take it with you. Give your listener the ability to take that information with them on the road because long sales letters, a lot of people don't have the time, understand your prospects are busy, give it to them in audio. If you produce a CD that's 70 minutes long, we can fit 70 minutes of audio on a CD. If your interview with your prospect is only 40 minutes, put an extra 30 minutes of bonus material on that CD. Over deliver to your prospect or put a sales letter for your coaching or if information about the books you publish or why someone should contact you for more consulting, use the real estate of that CD, that whole 70 minutes, because you may have someone driving in the car and they get to the end of your interview, well, that CD will keep playing and you can put stuff that's going to sell that prospect while you've got their one-on-one attention. So these are some of the ideas we talk about in the consultations with the other people I've interviewed who have ordered the Audio Marketing Secrets, and it's loaded with additional ideas, but there's so much we could talk about, and that's why I'd urge anyone to at least take the free trial. They don't have to pay anything up front, only if they agree that I've delivered on the lessons that I promised to teach in my Audio Marketing Secrets do they pay. So they risk nothing whatsoever. But I can only imagine that the amount of information that we discussed tonight, and you've so generously laid out so many detailed steps that people People would save hours, days, possibly weeks if they had to go find this information all by themselves and kind of go through the learning process. I mean, if it's anything near what we talked about tonight, I know it's something of great value. And just by listening to your recordings and seeing what's on your website, hands down, everyone would agree that it must be packed with enormous value. I appreciate it. Thank you for the interview today, and thanks for all the information. And if we have any questions, is there a way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Anyone can call me or email me. My direct phone number, if someone wanted to call, I'm here in the U.S., is area code 858-274-7851. That's area code 858-274-7851. Anyone can reach me by emailing me direct to my personal email address, which is Michael, and that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at michaelsunoff.com. And Sunoff is S as in Sam, E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, O as in Ostrich, F-F, like in Frank Frank. So that's Michael at michaelsunoff.com. Feel free to email me any questions at all. Just based on the tips that you've just given, you know, those aren't tips that are just picked out of thin air. Those are tested tips that people don't really uncover until they've rolled up their sleeves and gotten in there and experienced the whole process. So it sounds like an enormous time saver, a great return on investment by creating additional products for yourself and adding more value to those products. So it sounds like a really good deal, Michael. Thank you again for sharing so much information with everyone. You're very welcome. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, and we'll speak to you soon. That's the end of my interview with Michael Elhart. If you're interested in my audio marketing secrets product, go to hardtofindseminars.com forward slash audio underscore marketing underscore secrets dot htm. The A for audio, the M for marketing, and the S for secrets are capital. Hardtofindseminars.com forward slash audio marketing secrets with capital letters on audio marketing and secrets and an underscore between each word. Thanks for listening.